disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them, Again, peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them, and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. And let's pray. Father, we thank you just for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the many blessings, Father, that we have uh, witnessed today. And God, thank you for the many victories just in watching people walk in the doors, Father, for the first time. And uh, those two that raised their hand, Father, that testifying that they had trusted you as their personal Savior. Father, we certainly thank you for that. And uh, the many invites and the much work that was accomplished, God, we, we want to thank you and praise you for every bit of that. God, thank you again for the opportunity, the privilege that we have to gather in your house tonight. God, I pray that you'd use me. I pray that you'd speak through me, God. I pray that we'd be encouraged and we'd be blessed. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this passage, uh, we see the disciples, they're gathered uh, on the very night that, uh, that Jesus had risen from the dead, that Sunday night, that first night, that first Sunday night. And, uh, and they're, they're gathering, and it's certainly an important thing uh, to do. And, and we notice as we see this, and as we think about even this kind of toes into this morning, it really uh, deals with kind of the fact that uh, Jesus has just been crucified and, and that he has risen from the dead here on the first day of the week. And, and we find that uh, the rumors are flying around um, because there were many people, including the disciples. We'll read a few passages uh, that they were uh, they didn't believe. Um, they, they saw reports that the tomb was empty, but, but the Bible is very clear and says they, they just didn't believe it. And, and I don't want us to be too harsh on the disciples because honestly, if you and I were there, we would have been in the same boat. We, I mean, it's, it's, it's incomprehensible if you think about it. If, if, uh, if somebody died today and then three days later uh, you go and, and they're, they're not there at the cemetery, you're going to think the same thing the disciples did. Somebody stole them. Um, something's going on here funny because uh, it's just unimaginable to, to think, well, he rose from the dead. Now, we're looking back. We know the gospel. We've read it and we've celebrated it uh, for many years. And so we know that, but, but they didn't know that. They, didn't, they were living in the moment. And so uh, as we think about this, um, save your spot here in John. Go with me to Mark chapter number 16. And I just want us to see this passage. Mark chapter number 16. And we'll come right back here to John after we read this. This will kind of help set the stage and give us the context of what's going on. Mark chapter number 16 and verse number 9. The Bible says in Mark 16 and verse number 9, it says, Now when Jesus was risen early, the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that she had been with him, and they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had not been seen of her, 
believed not. Now, could you imagine? I mean, here's Mary Magdalene and, of course, the, uh, Mary and I think the other Mary as well. Both of them went to the tomb to, uh, to of course, uh, put down herbs and spices and, uh, and anoint the body of Jesus after he had died and, and, uh, and, and just do all of that. And when they arrived there at the scene, the Bible tells us in another account that, they had, uh, that there was an angel there. And, uh, and the angel said, whom do you seek? And they said, they, they were, of course, weeping. The stone was rolled away. And they said, where, where, where have they taken the body of Jesus? And they were upset. And then, of course, in one passage, it, uh, Jesus is right there with them. And, uh, and he calls out her name, Mary. And she knows immediately, this is not a gardener. This is Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And, uh, and so he's risen from the dead. They, of course, are excited. They run back to after they, uh, Jesus then only, only calls her name, gives very little appearance, and then he disappears, the Bible says. Then they run back to the other disciples. I mean, could you imagine, you're, you put yourself there in those shoes, and man, you had just witnessed, hey, here's Jesus, and the angel was the one that said, hey, he's not here, he's risen as he said, and then Jesus appears, calls your name, and then disappears. Man, I tell you what, I'm going to be going and, and finding Peter and Andrew and James and John and all the other disciples, Philip, and, uh, and saying, hey, look, you know what? He's risen from the dead as as he said, and when they went and told them, we hear this is that account that they went and told them. The last of the verse number 11 says they, they believed not. And they thought, man, you're, you're crying and you're seeing things through those foggy eyes. And, and certainly uh, that's not possible. They didn't believe. And uh, the Bible says, it reinforces this in Luke 24, 24. You can just jot it down. The Bible kind of gives us the same verse. It says, And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. In other words, after these two women saw them and they went and reported to the disciples, then uh, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it was Peter and John. And, uh, and John ominously writes uh, that, that he, he arrived first. He doesn't tell you his name, but he outran Peter. And, uh, and he actually arrived at the tomb first. And they, they bent down and they actually looked in uh, but but Peter Peter being bold went right in and he he sees indeed the tomb is empty John saw the tomb was empty but they didn't see Jesus they they just saw the empty tomb and, and they're like I don't know what's going on but uh, but but those ladies they're crazy and they saw stuff the Bible tells us very clearly they believed not they didn't even see him Look with me, and in, in, we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter number 16. Look with me in verse 12. And I want us just to continue this dialogue as we're thinking about all of these things that have taken place. And after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And let me just stop there. That was two disciples that were walking on the Emmaus Road. It's a wonderful account. I, I believe it's found, um, I, I'm not for sure. I was thinking Mark. Maybe it was earlier. I don't, I don't recall. But, uh, uh, but they were walking on the Emmaus Road. This is after Jesus has risen from the dead. And Jesus walks with them. And it's quite an amazing story. I love it. Uh, they're, they're, they're walking and they're talking. And, uh, and, they, and they turn to Jesus, and the Bible says their eyes are beholden that they would not know him. And they say, they say to him, 
what are you, a stranger here in Jerusalem? All these things took place. Everyone is talking about it. How do you not know what just took place? And, uh, and Jesus starts to expound the Old Testament. He starts to teach them and tell them uh, the, the how, you know, many scriptures, the Bible says, out of the Old Testament. And the Bible says that their hearts burned within them, but they didn't know who it was. And then finally, before uh, they left, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to go back and reread it. I think Jesus did reveal himself to them. And so there were very, my point is this, there were very few who actually witnessed Jesus Christ risen from the dead while they were gathered that same night. There was Mary and Mary, uh, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary that had witnessed Jesus, and these two disciples that were walking on the Emmaus Road, and, and that's really the only account for people that had witnessed Jesus Christ that same day that He has risen from the dead. And so my point is, all these disciples were then gathered in our text in, back in John chapter number 20, and, and they had not seen Jesus. The majority of them had not. And there were rumors flying around as the, the Mary and Mary Magdalene were saying, hey, we saw him, he called my name, but then he disappeared. And, and the other disciples are thinking, no, it was a vision from heaven. Uh, who knows what they were saying or what they were thinking, but in their mind, it it was not physically possible for Jesus to, to be alive at this time. And then, of course, the other two disciples that did run into him on the Emmaus Road. And so there's lots of different uh, thoughts that are running through their, their mind at this point. But I want you to take notice that they had gathered together that Sunday night. And as we think about the idea of them gathering together that Sunday night on the resurrection uh, time, I want you to look there in verse number 19 as we read back in the Gospel of John, chapter number 20, in our text. And verse number 19, the Bible says, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. I love the fact that they're gathered together. And one of the, uh, one of the uh, benefits, if I can say it that way, or one of the blessings of gathering is that the presence of Jesus was there. I always love this passage. The Bible says the doors were shut. I don't know if Jesus walked through a wall, walked through the door, or just kind of appeared. Uh, maybe he opened the door. I don't know. The Bible does not tell us those details. And I often wonder those things, uh, but I don't know all of that. But I do know that Jesus showed up when these disciples had gathered together. And, uh, and I want you to think about this. The very presence of Jesus was there. Uh, and they, uh, they didn't... I want you to understand this. They didn't gather together because Jesus was there. You understand what I'm saying? Now, Jesus did show up, but they didn't gather together saying, hey, hey, let's all get together because Jesus is going to be there tonight. No, 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 that wasn't what was going on. Uh, they didn't know that Jesus was going to show up. But I think they probably had the custom of just gathering together, kind of like a church service, and they would gather together. And so they didn't gather there uh, because Jesus would be there, uh, but, but we see that they did gather together. 
And, and I thought about that, and I just think this. Uh, I don't think they also asked around to say, hey, you, you coming to the meeting tonight? Um, you'll read down through there, and you'll find out, actually, that Thomas, it seems like Thomas wasn't even there. He wasn't there until the next week. He missed that service, and he wasn't even there. And that's when uh, he said he didn't believe either, and, and he wasn't sure. And he said, hey, unless I, I touch the hands and, and, and put my hand in his side, I'm not going to believe. But uh, uh, because the other disciples said, man, you should have been there. You missed it. Jesus showed up. And, and Thomas said, well, I don't believe it. Unless I could put my hands in his hands, touch his scars, and see where they pierced his side, I won't believe it. And then we'll just jump ahead out to the next week. And then Jesus shows up and he says, Hey, Thomas, would you like to see my scars? Would you like to see my side? Thomas, dumbfounded, says, Man, I believe. He didn't have to touch. He didn't have to see. He knew that it was Jesus Christ. But that's a fast forward. Uh, but, uh, but, but we see that they're gathered. And they weren't gathered because Jesus was going to be there. And they weren't gathered uh, taking names and saying, well, Thomas, you're going to be there. Hey, Peter, well, if Peter's not going, then I don't think I'm going. They, they weren't gathered there for one another. I believe they were gathered there to worship the Lord. And, and sometimes we can get caught up with personalities and people. And, and look around this evening, and listen, I'm glad all of you are here. I'm glad every one of you are here. But can I tell you something? And I love you. I didn't come here for you. That sounded bad, didn't it? I came here for the Lord. And I hope you did too. And it's great to see you, and I'm glad you're here. And I, I, I'm really glad that we're all gathered together. But really, understand that, hey, we, we should come here, not because so-and-so is here or so-and-so is there, but rather because we want to gather and we want to worship the Lord. And I think the disciples were gathered there that night because it was their custom, but I think also it was the idea of gathering in Jesus' name and gathering around Him. The Bible says in Matthew 18, 20, and I love this verse, the Bible says, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Praise the Lord. I, I, you know, I love that verse, and I loved that verse when I was a missionary because sometimes we only had two or three show up. And, and I, was, I was grateful that, hey, the qualification is two or three. Well, okay, I, that's excluding my family because we automatically had eight. But, but, you know, outside people, other people that would come, and, and yeah, I was, I was glad that, that Jesus didn't say, well, your church has to have 50 before I'm going to show up, or it has to have 100 before I'm going to show up. Listen, if a church is small, if I can say it that way, and doesn't have a large congregation, it doesn't matter. Jesus will still show up if there are two or three that are gathered. The qualifying phrase there is, in His name. They're not gathered there as a club. They're not gathered there so they can socialize. They're gathered in the name of Jesus Christ so that they can worship Him. And I think these disciples were gathered together in His name, desiring God's presence and wanting to worship Him. And I do understand, yes, I think they probably were greatly confused. I mean, you look at what has just transpired in the past few days. But I think they were gathered there with a great motive to worship the Lord. 
And I want you to notice in verse number 19, we notice that Jesus showed up in the midst. Hey, listen, if Jesus shows up, that's what we want. I'm not talking physically. He's not going to come here physically. But listen, we want to be in the very presence of Jesus Christ. That happens when people gather together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. It amazes me, and I don't understand it. Don't ask me to explain it because I don't think I could, that churches will meet all across America and they'll worship the Lord and the Lord will show up in place after place after place after place at the same time time that's omnipresence and i can't wrap my head around it but i'm glad he does and i'm glad that he promises he will and so they gathered together with jesus in jesus name and jesus of course we see the presence of jesus i want you to notice this as well what did he say in verse number 19 at the end of that verse and he saith unto them peace be unto you. Not only the presence of Jesus when we're gathered together in His name, but also the peace of Jesus when we're gathered in His name. I want you to think about this. We, I previewed a little bit of it. The disciples were assembled together, but look right there in verse number 19 that we just read. The Bible says, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. In other words, I don't know if they used to meet with the doors open. It seems to indicate that. In Peru, uh, we had a, uh, our church was not like this. You know, we, we of course, our doors are always shut. Uh, but, but not that we don't want people to come in, but they're, they're glass doors and people can freely walk in. In Peru, um, and I'm not advocating we do this, okay? I don't want to do this here. But uh, we had a big garage door. And we'd open that puppy up, and, uh, and you didn't close the door because then it was just a little tiny door that was a pain to get in and out of. So we'd open a big garage door, and it was right on the sidewalk, and, uh, and people would just walk right in. Uh, or many times, honestly, people would stand on the street as they would walk by, and they would listen as we would sing, or they would listen as we preached. And sometimes a dog would walk in. We had to chase the dog out. And, and so, uh, so, But the door was just wide open straight to the street, and many times our neighbor would sit out there and just listen to the service. And, uh, and so it was directly to the street. Now, I don't know if that's what it was like there in Jerusalem, uh, but, but if you think of it this way, if in Peru we would gather together, we'd close that big garage door and only use the little door because we're scared. Maybe they'll see us gathering. And the disciples were scared that night. Why, what was driving that fear? The Bible says fear of the Jews. Go back in your mind and think what just took place. You know what took place? It was a scam trial of Jesus Christ. That's what took place. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders, got together. They were sick of Jesus uh, gathering such a large gathering. And so they decided, man, we are gonna, we're going to do a mock trial. We're going to get false witnesses. And this guy's going down. And that is that. We looked at Pilate this morning and the fact that Pilate would put Jesus on trial. And Pilate was seeking the truth. And the Sanhedrin came to Jesus and they were, uh, they were or came to Pilate, excuse me, and they were. They were telling Pilate, uh, listen, this man is a rebel rouser. He's perverting the nations and, they, and he's teaching people that they shouldn't pay tribute to Caesar and he's promoting himself as a king. That's what they told Pilate. 
And Pilate, because Pilate was the governor, and, and, and the Bible says that the Jews didn't want to go into the judgment hall because they didn't want to defile themselves. So Pilate actually had to come out to the Sanhedrin and talk with them. And then he had to go back into the judgment hall, and then he had to talk with Jesus. And as he was talking with Jesus, almost uh, at least two or three different times, the Pilate says, I find no fault in this man. And he's listening, he's going back and forth. He's trying to discover what's the truth. And he asked that, and we looked at that in the morning. And so he's asking these Sanhedrins, the Jewish people, and they're saying, man, this guy's a problem. And, uh, and he goes back and talks with Jesus, and he finds this meek, calm-mannered Christ. And says, man, I don't see anything wrong with him. And so they kind of push it through and, and they say, no, he needs to be crucified. And, and at that time of year, they had a, a custom, the Bible says, and that he would release one of the prisoners. And so Pilate is advocating, hey, you know what? I've got, well, you guys have a custom. We always release one of your prisoners. I tell you what, let's release this Jesus. And the Sanhedrin invokes the crowd that is there, and they start shouting and screaming, crucify him. This is what is going on. And the disciples, at least some of them, were probably there to witness some of this stuff that was going on. And they see that the, the crowd is uplifted by this Jewish Sanhedrin that is driving all of this and pushing and advocating for the, for the crucifix, crucifixion of Jesus Christ. So then they, of course, witnessed Jesus dying on the cross. And every one of them knows within their heart that was not a fair trial. He was accused and he was condemned and he was crucified unjustly. So they're looking at this and they're saying, man, if the Sanhedrin had that kind of sway with Pilate to crucify an innocent man, we're next. So when they're gathered together in this building they shut the doors. They said, we're scared. They had good reason to be because they just witnessed a, a scam trial go through and, and, and the most innocent man in the world be crucified. So they had every reason to fear. And as they were there, they were fearful. They were troubled. But Jesus comes to them and his words are, peace be unto you. What a calming voice in a time when they were very anxious and concerned. What a, what a wonderful opportunity. Listen, sometimes we look at our life and we think, well, you know, as Christians, everything should go well and, and there shouldn't be any troubles. Listen, sometimes we have troubles in this world. Sometimes we suffer difficulties in this world. But listen, uh, we have the hand of Jesus that we can hold on to and he can give us the peace that passes all understanding. I, I, I've said it before and I've heard it said many times and I, I don't understand how the world goes through the trials that they go through without being a Christian and without having the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, in our life, we have trials, we have tribulations, but you know what? We can always look to God and say, you know what? I know that he's in charge. And I know that I can trust him. 
And I know that he's not going to wrong me. I know that he's going to take care of me. I know that he is going to be with me. And so Jesus comes to the disciples and we see that when they're gathered together in his name, that his presence is there with them. But on top of that, he gives them peace. Man, there's just something about serving the Lord and just doing what is right that just gives you a peace in your life and says, you know what? Everything is not smooth sailing. The oceans sometimes get a little bit rocky and rough and storms pop up. But I tell you what, we can always be at peace because we know whom we have believed and we are persuaded that he'll keep us against that day. And we know that Jesus Christ is the one that will provide the peace for us. And he comes to those disciples, not only his presence physically being there with them, but also his peace that he offers to them. When we gather together, hey, it's the presence of Jesus and it is the peace of Jesus on our life that we look for. I want you to notice one other thing that we see when they gathered together, and that is the purpose. Look with me in verse number 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. And the purpose of, of them gathering, the purpose was that Jesus would give them purpose in their life to fulfill. You know, you think about somebody who is not saved and, and somebody who is not a Christian, and, and I think to myself, what is the purpose of life? If all I have to live for is riches and pleasure, it's going to get old real fast. That's going to lose purpose. It's not real hard if, if all you do is work to accumulate wealth. I mean, that's very easy to do. You work, you work, you work, and you can accumulate wealth. If you work hard enough at it, you can get it, especially in America where we live. Um, wealth is available, and pleasure is available. We live in the most pleasure-driven society, uh, I think, from the creation of time, perhaps. Maybe not to that extreme, but, but man, pleasure is available everywhere. I mean, uh, if you enjoy sports, man, you can indulge in every sport that exists. If, if, you're, uh, if pleasure is uh, fishing and hunting, you can go and do that, or you can watch sports. Or there's pleasure that is available in this world, and more so in our country than anywhere else, uh, to a point that, hey, uh, you're like, man, what's the point of this anymore? And, and all of it becomes real vain in the end. And so Jesus gives his disciples not just his presence, not just his peace, but he gives them purpose. And he says here in verse number 21, As my Father hath sent me. I love that he starts off with his example. You think about the example of Jesus Christ. He had everything setting in heaven. I mean, you, you name it, he had it. He was in heaven, the absolute perfect place, and here he comes down to the earth. I've often contemplated that, and I, I just can't fathom that, to be honest with you. When I die and go to heaven, I don't, I don't want to come back here where I'll suffer pain. I don't want to come back here where my body will break down. I don't want to come back here where I, I, there's problems and difficulties. I mean, when I go to heaven, I, I'm not coming back, okay? You're on your own. 
But Jesus left all the splendor of heaven and he came to this world. And then, and then you think about this, how well was he received in this world? And a lot of people didn't like him. The Sanhedrin, the Jewish people, they actually hated him, many of them. And, and there were those, I mean, even from the, the very time he was born, Herod tried to kill him. And from, from that point on, I mean, people uh, looked at him and, and, and he was not necessarily popular. And, and you look at the things that he did and even the people that he healed and all the miracles that he did and, and how he did it out of love and compassion for the world. A world that did not like him. A world that did not love him. That's his example that he sets forth and says, hey, as the Father sent me into a world that doesn't love them, but I loved them, so send I you. And he gives us an example. But then he enlists them saying, hey, I want you to go. And he enlists the disciples to go into the world, so send I you. And he gives them a purpose in their life. And the purpose of their life is to go out into the world and to be a witness to other people. He says it this way in Matthew 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Listen, our, our goal and our, our, our purpose to this life is, is, in one part, it is witnessing. We ought to be a witness, but it's more than that. Hey, as, as people get saved, then we should encourage them to get baptized. And as they get baptized, hey, listen, there is a lifetime of, of material in this book that they are to be taught and they are to learn. I mean, that's what he says there in, the, in Matthew 28. He says, uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. So it's just a continual ongoing process of reaching the lost and baptizing and then discipling and teaching and teaching and teaching the Word of God. And we see that we ought to be helping and encourage other saints and, and godly people in the things that we're doing. And so we see the enlistment as Jesus pulls those disciples, many who were fearful, many who were not even sure that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, but yet they were gathered there and he says, hey, this is what I want you to do. Not live for self, not live for money, not live for pleasure, but live for the Lord Jesus Christ serving Him. And He gives them a purpose in their life. What a wonderful purpose. But He doesn't end there. In verse 22, And when He had said this, He breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. He didn't just enlist them, He enabled them. He didn't just give them a job, He gave them power to do the job. Hey, listen, we can't do it in and of ourselves. We go out in our own wisdom, in our own uh, philosophies, man, we'll, we'll mess things up. But we go in God's Spirit, and we go in God's uh, grace, and we go with God's Holy Spirit that He gives us. And Now listen, this... Uh, breathed on them they they you remember that he told them in acts chapter one uh he said this he said but ye shall receive power after that the holy ghost has come upon you 
In other words, he said, hey, the Holy Ghost is going to come. They told them to wait until they received the Holy Spirit. But that all took place then in Acts. It was a transitional time when Jesus' ministry was ending on the earth and the Holy Spirit's ministry was to start on this earth. And once we get saved and once we're born again, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And, and you, don't, you don't have to sit around and wait for the Holy Spirit. You have it. If you've trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, He is in you and He dwells within you and He'll be with you uh, for all of eternity. His, His ministry is to seal the saints. That's what Ephesians says. And that's what He does. And then He also empowers us and helps us so that we can uh, live for the Lord Jesus Christ and we can testify and we can encourage people to be baptized and to learn the things that the Lord would have us to know out of His Word. So we see that He gives them purpose in their life. I want to just touch this just because it's in the text here in verse number 23. And He says this, Whosesoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosesoever sins ye retain, they are retained. We talked about Wednesday questions of verses, and I'll tell you this, that this is a, a perhaps a difficult verse. I don't really understand it all. But I will tell you this, it's not entirely as it seems because we know this, that, uh, that the Bible is very clear that the only person who can forgive sins is Jesus Christ. So I'll, because we know that fact and we could take multiple verses that would, would be very clear to us, I'll take it this way to un understand this verse, that, that whoever we witness to and they get saved, then their sins will be forgiven. But if we choose not to witness to people and they don't hear the gospel, they don't have the opportunity, their sins won't be forgiven them. Romans chapter 10, we, we've discussed that. How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? And so if we're not going, then they're not hearing and therefore their sins will never be forgiven them because they don't know of Jesus Christ and the salvation. So I say all that to say we have a purpose in our lives as Christians. Oh, it's a higher calling than what the world has. The world, the world will live for pleasure. They'll live for uh, power. They'll live for uh, finances. They'll live for all of those things. But man, we have such a higher calling to live for the Lord Jesus Christ, to see other people's lives eternally changed. Encourage them to be baptized and see them grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Probably one of the most enjoyable things in my life was going to Peru and starting a church and watching people who did not even know where the Gospel John was to get saved and start to grow in their life. You want to talk about something incredible? Just watching people learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. And yeah, they go through struggles. And yes, it's work. But I tell you what, that's the purpose to which God has called us. To encourage. To see people grow. To see people learn the Word of God. That's our purpose in this life. And so praise the Lord, we have a purpose that's so much more than what this world offers. Praise the Lord, we have the peace of God in our life as we go through day to day. Praise the Lord, we can have the presence of God as we gather together in His name. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, these disciples gathered. 
probably in one of the darkest hours of their life. The Lord showed up, and He gave them peace, and He loaded them up with purpose, knowing that He wouldn't be around, but that they would continue the ministry that He had started. Father, we thank You for Your goodness to us. God, thank You that here we are almost 2,000 years later, and we continue doing the same thing, gathering together in Your name, And God, your presence so evident so many times amongst us. We thank you for it. God, for the peace that you offer us. Oh God, we know we go through struggles, we have difficulties, but God, there's just something about the peace that you provide in our heart that says it's going to be okay. And God, the purpose that you give us to drive our life, to serve you. God, thank you for the privilege that we have to be called Christians, to be saved, to have a purpose in our life. God, I pray that you'd bless each and every person. I pray that you'd encourage them, you'd strengthen them. Father, thank you so much for their each and every person's faithfulness and their service to you and their dedication. God, I pray that you'd bless them as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, the altar's open. If God's spoken to your heart, pray at the altar. You can pray there in your seat. Praise the Lord for the purpose that we have. Praise the Lord for the peace that we have. Praise the Lord for the presence of God that we can have as we gather together. As the piano plays, the altar's open.